Welcome back. I'm Trudy, and if you are just joining in for the first time, let me encourage you to pause this recording and go check out episode three of this season for part one, because today we are continuing our conversation about the gifts of grace the Lord has given us. Can you remember the three areas of focus that we talked about? <laughs> you may be thinking, Trudy, I can barely remember what I ate for lunch, let alone a podcast I listened to two weeks ago. Okay, I get it. How about this? Can you remember the gift we talked about in episode three? That's right, our relationships. We honed in on these three specific types of relationships, our family, mentor, and neighbor relationships. If you listened to the previous episode, I hope you were able to identify ways that you can better steward those relationships. Did you try to put those ideas into practice in the last two weeks? For me personally, I felt the Lord prompted me to focus in on a specific family relationship, one of my grandchildren. We had a special lunch date together, and it was good to give her some extra time and special attention. So continuing our thoughts of stewarding God's gifts of grace, let's read the verse from 1 Peter 4.10 again. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. So in addition to the relationships that God has showered upon us, let's spend a few minutes today talking about the gift of responsibilities and the gift of resources. So let's jump into managing responsibilities. Now, on the surface, responsibility may sound more like an obligation than a gift of grace, but I want to challenge you to view it from God's perspective. Look beyond the stuff we so often get distracted by, things like busyness, wealth, status, power, popularity, and even the people in our lives. When I first looked deeply into my relationship with Christ through the lens of stewardship, he put three key truths on my heart. Number one, I am his child. Number two, I am his follower. And number three, I am his light. These may not have been your initial thoughts when it comes to defining your responsibilities, but they have really changed how I view my duty to God and stewardship of his blessings. Let's unpack them together to get at the deeper meaning this insight has for every believer. First and foremost, I am a child of God. I comprehend that identity as many people do through my experience and relationship with my earthly father, Truett Cathy. I knew that I represented him in everything I did. If I did something stupid as a teenager, rarely would they say, did you hear about Trudy? But instead, they'd say, did you hear what Truett Cathy's daughter did? I love and I respect my father too much to let anyone use me as an excuse for thinking poorly of him. Now, if I feel that way about my earthly father, how much more seriously do you think I should take my responsibility to my heavenly father? I recognize that I represent him to everyone I meet, so my desire is to represent him well. Second, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. I'm committed to a lifetime of obedience to him. That means I have a great responsibility to demonstrate and share my faith with others. 
I'd like to say that I've always been a natural at managing this responsibility, but that wouldn't be true. In fact, I've struggled greatly in this area throughout my life, as you may recall from maybe previous episodes. However, even when I don't like what he's calling me to do, I can at least admit that my God is calling me to follow him somewhere. If you struggle in this area like I do, I encourage you to simplify your life, cut out the clutter, quiet the noise, and then listen for the guiding voice of the one who is calling you. He has plans for you, and he knows the mountains he's calling you to climb. Trust him enough to take that first step. Of all the responsibilities God has entrusted to us, I believe the greatest is the call to be his light in the world. After a lifetime of walking with the Lord, I still can't believe he trusts me so much as to send me out as his ambassador, as his light in a dark world. When we receive the salvation that God freely offers through Jesus' death and resurrection, we instantly become the temple of God. His Spirit dwells within us, and in a very real way, we are flooded with the light of His love. As Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 4-7, But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are literally cracked clay pots filled with the most precious treasure in the universe. In John 8, 12, Jesus calls himself the light of the world. Then in the book of Matthew, he uses that same language to describe those who follow him. He commands, you are the light of the world. Let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your father in heaven. Wherever we go and whatever we do, the light of Christ should shine radiantly through our lives. We shine that light when we dedicate who we are and what we do to Him, no matter the specific responsibility. We live out His call to be the light of the world when we follow the command given to us in Ecclesiastes 9.10. Listen to this. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. So, whether you're teaching, singing, encouraging, mentoring, hosting guests in your home, leading a team, participating in a business meeting, comforting a friend, or rejoicing with another, determined to steward the responsibilities that God has given you through the lens of your identity in Him. Now, I want to pause here and just ask you, Has the Lord brought to mind any specific gifts you hold in your relationships and responsibilities? Keep those top of mind as we shift into the third and final focus, managing our resources. In Luke's gospel, Jesus says, From everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded. And from the one who has been entrusted with much, much more will be asked. This may sound like a command, and it is, but I believe Jesus' words are more of a statement of honor and trust. He pours His grace and mercy into our lives so that we can bless others. Or, put another way, we are blessed to be a blessing. As faithful stewards of God's grace, 
I believe there are four key resources we must manage for His glory. Our money, our time, our talents, and our influence. Let's take just a quick look at each one. The first resource we must manage is money. Now, you may be mentally cringing at the thought of talking about money. Maybe you were taught the biblical principles of handling money, to tithe, save towards financial goals, and spend money wisely. But those things sound almost impossible when you're struggling to just get by. It's usually hard to feel rich when you're worried about paying the electric bill. However, if you have a car, more than one pair of shoes, a roof over your head, and clean water, you are living a life of luxury. The Lord is not asking you to give above your means. He's asking you to give like the widow in Luke 21, who Jesus said gave out of her poverty with a heart of generosity. I believe giving starts with the tithe to your local church, as found in Malachi 3.10, but it shouldn't end there. To truly honor God's financial blessing in our lives, we must always be on the lookout for opportunities to give over and above the tithe. Being wise stewards means making sure the money you give is managed well and actually gets to the people you're trying to help. And then, when you're sure you've identified some truly worthy causes, make financial giving a priority in your budget. While money is important, it's not the only gift we have to give. So let's talk about managing time. Many times, the biggest sacrifice we can make is giving our time. Time and money should be managed the same way. Both are finite resources and present a million different opportunities to waste what we have. Both can make an enormous impact on the world around us, and poor management of either will leave you sick, tired, stressed, and miserable. Time is the great equalizer. God's given all of us, from kings to businessmen to pastors to homemakers, the same amount of time every day. That means each of us is responsible for the wise management of what we've been given. Time is too precious to waste, so make sure you're honoring God by using it to the fullest. That might mean saying yes to new opportunities, and it might mean saying no to some old ones. Only you get to choose, so do it with intentionality. Managing time effectively isn't only about where you spend time, it's about how you spend your time. Okay, so far we've talked about managing your money and time, and now let's talk about managing your talents. The goal here is to leverage your talents, skills, and natural abilities in whatever you do. Serving on your church's financial team may sound like a worthy commitment, but if you hate math and you don't know how to budget, you're wasting your talent and their time. Here's a simple, basic rule of thumb. If you don't have the talent or passion for what's being asked of you, it's not a fit. God filled you with gifts and abilities that can and should be used for His glory. That only happens when we find out what we're good at and focus our talents and efforts on those things. After all, stewarding your time and talents will maximize your influence. Influence is one of the most important, most powerful, and most overlooked commodities in the world. It's not about having a big platform, leading a large company, 
or even having the ability to speak in front of a group. It's just about making an impact on someone, anyone. Regardless of who you are or what position we hold in life, each of us impacts every person and every situation we encounter. Sounds a lot like what we discussed in managing our neighbor responsibilities, right? God gives us hundreds of opportunities every day to impact someone or something. Once you recognize that fact, you can start to become more aware of when, where, and how you're using your influence for His glory. Are you still with me? That was a lot of ground to cover. We've talked about managing our relationships, responsibilities, and resources. I applaud you for your commitment to listen to this podcast and to grow in your faith. Maturing in your relationship with the Lord can sometimes feel like an impossible mountain to climb. There have been times in my own life when I thought I was making great headway only to realize I was heading in the wrong direction. There have been other times when life happened despite my best efforts and the mountain I thought I was climbing turned out to be a cliff that I foolishly fell right over. Our human nature draws our attention inward, but as children of God and His ambassadors in the world, we are called to live our lives openly, generously, humbly, and lovingly. Those things require us to take our eyes off ourselves and look at other people, and that is no easy task. It's almost like there's a war raging within us between our selfish human nature and our call to be loving and selfless. How are we to settle the conflict? Paul gives us the perfect starting point. Here's what he writes in the book of Galatians. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. I love that phrase. Keep in step with the Spirit. Because of God's grace, We can live beyond our self-absorbed human nature and live our lives and climb our mountains in step with Him. Let's circle back to the questions we discussed in Episode 3. As you recall the gifts the Lord brought to mind earlier, how well are you managing these graces for Him? In what ways are you succeeding? And in what ways are you maybe falling short? I'm so grateful for the Lord's kindness to gracefully draw us back in line with Him. I pray this episode has been both challenging and encouraging to you. Remember, I'm making this climb right alongside you. We know we are imperfect and incomplete without Jesus Christ. Let's continue onward and upward.